welcome to Play by Players, an MLSPA podcast. This show is brought to you by the players and is all about the players, both past and present, who have plied their trade in MLS. You'll hear about each player's journey into the game, their careers and life after the game, on the field and off. It's all on the table. Now here's your host, former MLS player, Bobby Boswell. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Play by Players. We are joined today by one of the young guns of MLS. He's played over 50 professional games. He's a member of the U.S. men's national team pool. He can score goals, but he's more of an assist man. Uh, his teammates love him, and with the great smile that he has, there's a good chance that you love him too. Please welcome to the podcast, Chase Gasper. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, like people don't realize uh, I'm I'm so old now that you know I'm having guys on that that train with us when they were when they were youths, um, and and this is a weird one for me because. Uh, I've only played Minnesota once mm -hmm. and we got beat so badly that it was, uh, I know you can understand this playing for, uh, for Adrian, there was no chance I was going to trade jerseys after we got smoked like four or five to nothing. Um, so I don't have a, I don't have a Minnesota United Jersey. It's one of the few ones in the league I don't have, but that's just cause uh, you guys didn't treat us very nice when we played. <laughs> But uh, but as I hinted, um, you are a uh, you are a, a D.C. area guy. Um, you know, you grew up in Alexandria, Virginia. Um, you know, first I want to talk about I know you have an older sister, but uh, in looking mm -hmm. through some of your social media stuff, uh, it looked like you got a, a pretty big family. Is that is that accurate? I know I've seen some Gasper uh, genes are strong in some of the, the photos I've seen. Uh, I feel like a decent sized family, not not too big but uh everyone's in the the alexandria virginia area stayed in the dc area uh except my sister she recently moved down to uh miami so okay. yeah she's loving it down there and uh but yeah decent sized family not, not too big yeah hey, it was her turn to, her turn to chase the, uh, the the nice weather like you did at some point which we'll get to later um yeah. you know let's let's talk uh, we are talking about your family um uh, your dad is a, a central theme uh with you um, not many people know this about, um, there aren't a lot of MLS guys that have, uh, I'd say dads that didn't play soccer. Uh, you're, you're kind of unique in that your dad played college football at Ohio state. He was a quarterback. And, uh, and I wanted to know if, did you play football growing up? Uh, no, I actually never played football. Was, was that cause he didn't want you to play or just cause you never had the desire to play? Uh, it was more, more so he was, he was just hands off and wanted me to do what whatever I wanted to do and I just remember I first time I started kicking a soccer ball I loved it and I knew from the the first moment that's what I wanted to play and so you know they supported me the whole way I can't say that my entire family supported it my uh because everyone in my family is like diehard football fans okay. especially especially Ohio State Buckeye fans and so like growing up, my grandma would always bribe me and be like, hey, you know, I'll give you $50 if you like go play football, I'll try out for the football team. And I, I just kept saying, you know, grandma, I like soccer. I'm going to stick with this. And I'm, uh, I'm glad I stuck with soccer. You know, what's crazy is I, I played with two guys that were diehard Ohio State football fans. And one was Mark Birch, who uh, happens to be a, a left back with a great left foot. And the other one was, uh, was Colin Clark, who was a outside mid, but a left-footed guy. So maybe it's a, maybe it's a lefty thing. Maybe you guys just 
you know, right brain, left, left, uh, left foot, Ohio state. I don't know. Coincidence. Um, but quick question. Maybe. Did your, did your, did your old man, uh, did he play soccer at all? Or, or, um, you know, my old man never played soccer and he always said it, he wishes that it was more popular when he was a kid. Cause he thought he would have been really good at it. Is, is that the case? Same, same thing with your old man. Yeah. Same case with me. Uh, my dad says that same thing that he wished soccer was a bigger sport when he was younger. Cause he loves the game now. I mean, he's still a huge football fan, watches, you know, college football, uh, NFL on Sundays, but he watches more soccer even more now and like is so up to date with the game that I remember when I was growing up, I'd always the, like the friends I hung out with, they weren't huge soccer fans. So I never really had like the friends to talk about pro games like Real Madrid, my favorite team or EPL, unless I went to soccer practice. But now the tables have like kind of turned where my dad's like, hey, you know, like this deal or like this team. And I'm like, wait, I didn't even know that. So it's fun. To, uh, it's fun that he's as big of a soccer fan as I am. Well, no, that's great. And, um, you know, family is, is like I mentioned earlier, it's a very important part of your journey. We'll come back to that in a little bit. But talk to me a little bit about uh, the the rich talent that is the D.C. area, the DMV area. Um, you know, you're one of uh, a really impressive generation of guys to come out of uh, out of that area. And, and it was, uh, I, you know, I've seen it's Bethesda only. I just knew it as Bethesda Soccer Academy um, or the only Rangers. Um, yeah. You know, there's some some very uh, notable alums that have come out of there. And, you know, uh, my guy, Bill Hamid and Jalen Robinson, uh, Chris Adoy at some. I think Freddie Adu had a little stint there, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I know that they claim a lot of people that maybe didn't play there, but. Um, yeah, yeah, he was more of a D.C. United guy. Yeah. OK, well, just talk to me what, you know, at, at what it was like coming up. I know you had a great coach, I think. Uh, he's at the uh, NYCFC program now, but just yeah, talk, to me a little bit, talk to me a little bit about um, what it was like to, to play in a really soccer uh, rich environment. Uh, yeah. Like you said, I mean, there are just so many great players that come out of the DMV. And so it, it, it was exciting as a young player to, you know, not only look up to the professional guys like watching you at RFK, but also guys that are just a few years older than you that, you know, come from the same area that when you can relate to someone like that, it really inspires you and kind of gives you that motivation. Like, you know, like he's from the same area, he can do it, I can do it. And so, uh, like you said, like Bill Hamid, um, I've actually known him basically like my whole soccer life. His his dad was one of my coaches growing up. Uh, Joseph Jow, his dad was one of my coaches growing up. And so it's, it's a really small community in the DMV and uh, I'm just lucky that we have all the talent that we, uh, that we had in that area. Cause like uh, I'm a, on my Bethesda only team, we had Jeremy Obobese, Gideon Zalalem. And I, I think it was like every, every player on our team went to some D one program for uh, soccer. So it was just an amazing talent pool. And that's what generated, I think all the uh, competitiveness, but um made everybody better and so i'm just thankful that came from that area yeah and i'm really glad that you said those names instead of me because i'm would have butchered a, a couple of those guys names <laughs> um one of one of the really cool ones which just because um you know the ohio state connection was uh i believe devin barclay came out of that program and for those that don't know devin barclay is an 83 i'm an 83 
Um, he played, he, he, he signed really early with DC United. You know, you had Freddie and, and Bobby Comby kind of took the, the headlines in Santino, but, um, but Devin also played and his story is really interesting because when he retired, he had one year of eligibility left and he went and kicked field goals at Ohio state, which was oh, just, really? which is just like a, people, you know, it's funny, like people will, that are really big Ohio state or really big 10 football fans will know his name as a football kicker and not as a soccer player. It's kind of like Josh Lambeau uh, where, yeah. they're, where they're like, Oh yeah, he's a great NFL kicker. And it's like, well, he was actually a, a really good soccer player too. But um, you know, I just thought that was, that was kind of funny when I was looking through the, the list of guys coming out of that Academy or, you know, the Bethesda area um, he was one of them. So um, that team that you're on, you mentioned everyone goes D one. It's a, it's a really talented group of players. You know, not only did all those guys go D one, a ton of you guys are at the professional ranks now or have been, um, you know, one of the things I know you talked about was winning Dallas cup was a really big uh, step for you as a, as a young guy. I competed in Dallas cup. We got absolutely destroyed. Um, but just talk to me, talk to me about uh, your first real taste of success, you know, especially at a young age. Um. Yeah, I, I'd say winning Dallas Cup was was probably the the biggest taste of success, and uh, I mean, I, I attribute that all to our coach Matt Pilkington, because I, since I was a Virginia kid, I I really like grew up playing against all these guys. I played for this small Virginia club called Lee Mount Vernon, and um, so they they were like my rivals growing up, and you know the the, the local DMV rivalry, like oh I hate these guys, and, and then it was around. I think I was 12 or 13. Uh, my dad sat me down. He's like, Hey, Chase, you know, if, if you serious, if you want to get serious about soccer, you want to do this for a career, you know, that this is the coach you need to play for. And these are the guys that you got to compete with every single day at practice. If you really want to get to that next level. So made that decision to switch over to, it was Bethesda at the time. And then they combined clubs to the Bethesda only Academy. And you know, I'm just really thankful to my parents for making that drive through the, the DMV traffic every day to drive me to practice to and from, you know, every day during the week and then to all up and down the East Coast for games on weekends. And, um, you know, I, th I think it was that that Bethesda only team is where I really I always had the dream of being a professional soccer player. But it was that culture and that competition day in, day out uh, under Matt Pilkington, where I was like, you know, th this can really happen. I know, I know you were a late bloomer and maybe I'm getting a little ahead of, ahead of ourselves here, but um, I too was a late bloomer. Seems to be a lot of, I think, I think most of the guys that played uh, are playing professional were late bloomers because they had to develop other skills. But um, you know, you talk about your dad saying, if you want to, you want to take the next steps. I mean, was that really kind of a, a realistic goal for you at, at 13, 14, 15 or, were you, were you more of just having fun and you just knew you were good at it? Uh, no, I mean, I, that's all I wanted to do. I, okay. Just, just like most of the guys, you know, you're just like a soccer junkie that every day after school, you just want to like practice, 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 even after practice, go in the front yard, juggle, go in the street, work on dribbling or whatever it is. But um, yeah, it was when I was playing with those players, like you said, it was, I was definitely a late bloomer. When I first joined Bethesda, uh, Bethesda at the time, I, I mean, I wasn't even in the starting lineup. I was a center midfielder behind uh, 
Jake Rosansky, Gideon Zalalem, and Jorge Quintanilla at the time. So like Dallas Cup, I, I I didn't even really play that much, so I didn't even contribute to the like the win. But just getting that taste of success, I was like, I really want to do this. So it was actually U sixteen. Our left back got injured, and because I was left footed, my coach was like, Hey, you willing to play left back? And I was like, Yeah, you know, I just want to get on the field and um, been a left back ever since. Yeah, you're pretty good at it. Um, <laughs> talk to me a little bit about Gonzaga College High School. I, I uh, I grew up not too far grew up. I lived the first stint uh, when I played there in DC, I lived down H street. So I would uh, go by this, this school all the time. Um, I thought it was funny that it was a college, you know, Gonzaga college high school, but talk to yeah. me, talk to me a little bit about uh, that program. And, you know, I, I thought, you know, I get a little confused and sometimes I know that there was a kid on the, uh, on the DC Academy that he, he played high school and it, he wasn't supposed to. And I think they kicked him off the academy and he got Gatorade player of the year or something like that. But I just, I, I, I can't, I you know what age are you still allowed to play it? Were you able, you know, I know you played a little bit, um, mm-hmm. but, but how do you decide on, um, you know, are you playing high school soccer or not? Yeah. So that, that rule came into effect. I think I was, I was a sophomore or junior in high school. And that's, that's when they came up with the rule because they thought uh, too many kids were getting injured just due to overplaying of playing high school and club or academy. And so that's where, or excuse me, just academy. So academy came up with that rule that you got to choose either high school or academy. And uh, I mean, at that time, when I wanted to get serious about soccer, academy was the only route. So decided to go play academy but when i did play high school soccer it was a lot of fun because we had a really good team ian harks was on our team uh we had ryan massey nico corvu a lot of guys that went d1 and uh our rivals were damatha uh who chris doyatsum played for jacory hayes who's my teammate here played for and they have a lot of pros and guys that went d1 so uh usually high school level isn't that good but when Gonzaga played Dematha, it was actually a pretty high level game and it was a really fun game to play. Yeah. I, I uh, high school was terrible where I played just FYI. Um, so I could see why they don't want people playing it where I grew up people. You're more <laughs> likely to get into a fist fight than, uh, than to actually play um, any resemblance of the game. You mentioned Ian Harks. Um, you know, if you've listened to this podcast before, we always talk about the notable alum, um, you know, your school, and it makes sense now, right? Because you didn't play maybe the full the full term. But uh, I had a problem with with your notable alum, and that not that you weren't necessarily on it. It was that uh, Mike Banner was on it. Shout out to Mike Banner. I know Mike Banner. Uh, no offense to him, if Mike Banner's on there, you deserve to be on there. And uh, Ian Harks is on there, uh, only because he scored this week against Celtic. Am I going to uh, allow that to to go on? But um, you know. <laughs> just just an interesting interesting school um i've never seen a list of notable alum like uh like gonzaga college high school i mean it's like it's segmented into industries and you've got military people and political backgrounds um you know you've got athletes the you know not a whole lot of big names in terms of the athletes the biggest one i thought was john thompson and that's anyone in the dc area will know him especially if you're a georgetown fan and then, like I said, the political stuff was Pat Buchanan. 
And then the most interesting one was David Harold, um, which a lot of people won't know who that is, but he was the one that helped John Wilkes Booth uh, assassinate, or after the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. So yeah. uh, just gives you an idea of how old that school is and the important history of the people that have come through it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you feel like there was an emphasis not only on playing, but a pretty big emphasis on education as well? Oh, definitely. Definitely. I mean, uh, the, I mean, my parents were, my parents were huge on education. That's always what came first, but, uh, you know, Gonzaga is always going to hold a special place in my heart because it was an all boys Jesuit school. And at first, like thinking going to an all boys school, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that, but I mean, it, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was such a great time. You know, the friends that you made there are going to last the rest of my life. And, um, and but also, like you said, you know, everybody goes into different industries and like the network that you build, even from a high school, it's it's a very notable one. And so uh, Gonzaga was definitely a special time in my life and uh, really thankful for my time that I spent there. All right. Well, you talked a little bit about um you know, being moved to left back, was that around 16, 17 years old? Does that sound about right? Yes. 16. And then, and then, I mean, it looks like you, you pretty quickly joined the the national team ranks at a young age. Um, I know you played a, a ton of games and youth national team, you know, terms, people don't realize there aren't a ton of games to be played. So, um, you know, anytime you approach double digits at that, at that level means you were in in camps a lot and playing a lot. Um, I know you traveled to Spain and France for some tournaments. Did you mm-hmm. go to Argentina? Did you go to Argentina to play, or was that just a, a family trip? Uh, no, went to Argentina with the U twenties. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I saw a photo of you at uh, one of my bucket lists. Probably, if not the highest one, I can go is is Boca Stadium. I'm, I'm bombonera. I don't yeah. know how I try to say it, but um, <laughs> just talk to me a little bit about what it was like you know, going from, like you said, you weren't really starting on your, you weren't, you weren't starting as a midfielder and that's got to really make you question your talent, but then you you don't realize how good those guys are ahead of you. And then all of a sudden now you're playing on the left side. Now you're on the national team. Now you're traveling all over the world playing against guys that are really professionals at that age. Um, Just talk to me a little bit about your progression and how quickly it happened. Yeah. I mean, it it all just happened so fast that, yeah, I mean, you you just kind of like went along with it. I, I tried not to think too much about it because uh, for me, and I, I feel like a lot of other people, when you overthink it, that's when, you know, the problems start to arise. So just kind of went with the flow and tried to act like everything was normal and like, yeah, you know, but <laughs> was playing like for this really small Virginia club. Now you're playing with the U18 national team against France who went through and like Kingsley Coman, who's like one of the best players in the world right now. And, um, but I mean, it was, it was just an incredible experience, uh, especially that first camp uh, with the U18s and uh, you know, seeing how good the players across the country are. And uh, what's really cool is just seeing them even today in MLS and seeing them succeed around the world. It's, it's just been an awesome ride and um, I just hope that it continues. Yeah, no, I think, I think it is. It was really, it was really a lot of fun for me, um, you know, going through some of these teams, whether it's college or, uh, you know, your high school. I mean, for you, it was high school, college, uh, two colleges, you know, it's some even your, your PDL stuff. There's just all these names are guys that are still playing and, and, you know, they're, they're actually coming of age improving. So uh, it was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. 
so, so you obviously, when you're in the national team mix, uh, people don't realize how heavily the, the big schools, you know, and, and I'm talking about the UVAs and the Maryland's and the Clemson's and the UCLA's of the world, they pretty much have their pick of the litter uh, from the national teams and the, the regional teams. So at this point now you've, you've clearly can go any school you want to go to. How did you, uh, you know, talk to me a little bit about the California dream and how that came about. When I was really young, I would, I always had this like infatuation with California. I, I'm in Minnesota, but I hate cold weather. And so like, I always wanted to go to California. I always thought LA would be the coolest thing. And I remember my dad went, uh, my dad went on a trip and he brought back this UCLA soccer shirt and my mind was set. And I was like, I want to play for UCLA soccer so badly. And then it didn't really look like it was going to happen. You know, like my freshman year I was on the JV team at uh, my high school playing high school soccer, not even like starting for the club team I was on. And my assist, one of the assistants, he was, he was this young guy that like just graduated college and he's helping out with the soccer team. I won't say his name, but, um, he lived in my area and he would drive me home from high school practice. And so he was just like trying to make small talk on the car ride home. And he was like, so Chase, like, what do you want to do after school? Or where do you want to go to college? And I was like, Oh, I want to play soccer at UCLA. And I remember he just started laughing and he's like, you might want to rethink that. Like, that's not going to happen, buddy. And there were three other guys that lived in my area that were in the car and they all like burst out laughing. And I turned beet red and like, I'm cursing this guy out in my mind. And I don't know, that just lit a fire in me. And I was like, I'm going to prove this guy wrong. And, you know, luckily I was a late bloomer. So like I hit my growth spurt, got a lot stronger, faster. And I mean, I, I just worked my tail off all throughout high school. And then um, luckily got called up to the national team. And when I got that exposure, that's when, uh, UCLA came calling out because, I mean, I, I wasn't getting like any college offers. It was like D3 schools the entire time. So I was getting really nervous. And then luckily it worked out the way it did. Yeah. And then I saw, I, I think you had, you had UVA in your sights. Is that, is that accurate? Or you, you maybe you committed or verbally committed. You were thinking about going there if you could, if you could. Yeah. So that, that, that was really, that was probably it was, it was later in the recruitment process. Like everyone on my team had already committed somewhere and I'm like, Oh no, you know, I'm not really getting any good offers. And then UVA reached out. They're like, Hey, we'll take you on. It's like a, a walk-on player. Cause you're a Virginia guy. Um, basically said like, you know, I don't, I don't, we don't really see you playing that much, but we'll get you into the school. And so that was my best offer at the time. So I verbally committed to UVA and then in the span of six months, you know, everything just kind of changed, started playing, got called up to the national team. And then that's when um, other offers came in. And when UCLA came calling, I, I just couldn't say no. So uh, switched to UCLA. And, and you had some immediate success at UCLA. You know, you're up for, you know, you had a ton of rookie awards, um, you know, rookie, rookie team, you know, uh, really made a name for yourself at an early age. Uh, uh, talk to me about the transition. I mean, did being on the national team kind of uh, solidify your opinion of yourself as a player? So you knew when you got to UCLA, you were going to excel. I mean, 
I think everybody's super nervous uh, to go to college at all. You're going all the way across the country to a new place. Um, you know, and UCLA is a powerhouse. It's a the list of names of guys that have come out of UCLA is speaks for itself. So, um, you know, how did you go there and, and have, have some success so early? Yeah. I, I mean, I was definitely nervous. Like, like you said, there's so many great players that have come out of UCLA and, um, but I, I remember I went early in the summer just to try to get acclimated. And there were guys who stayed there over the summer to do summer workouts. And um, so just meeting them right off the bat and they were so welcoming and like took me in right away. And so, uh, you know, I'm really thankful for those guys because they, they, they did a really good job at like kind of getting those initial nerves out of the way. And we started captain's practices and, you know, after, after the second practice of just like pickup soccer, that's when I realized I was like, all right, I, I can play with these guys. And that all went away. And then once uh, preseason officially started, I was, I was committed to, I was like, all right, I got to be in this lineup. And, and you guys, your, your rookie year, you guys go to college cup. Um, you score the goal to get you there. Would you say that's probably the biggest goal you've, you've scored or, or, you know, I know every goal is special, especially if you're a defender like we yeah. were or like I was, but um, I mean, that, that's gotta be a pretty big one for you. Yeah, that was definitely a huge goal, but I mean, I can't take too much credit because it was going so wide. It just took the nastiest <laughs> deflection. Like it probably would have gone out for a throw in, <laughs> but it like it hit off a guy's back and somehow went in the goal. So I mean, I'll, I'll claim it as my goal, even though it wasn't, it was an own goal, but yeah, that was a, that, that was a pretty, pretty amazing feeling. But uh, I think, I think scoring my first professional goal for Minnesota United is, is probably my biggest. Okay. Great answer. The, the fans will appreciate that. Um, yeah. You know, the, I have to say it, it's gotta be a little bit um, interesting in that you you know maybe you're not even going to play if you go to UVA you go to UCLA you get to the final you actually lose to UVA in penalties um which I'm I maybe wouldn't bring that up if if we don't know what would happen uh several years later but um you know just talk to me a little bit about what it was you know it's got to be as I you always want to be you, you haven't been traded or you know you you trade you moved in college so you know you you did make that transition but I'd say as a professional, when you get traded or uh, whatever happens where you go to another team, you instantly just kind of root uh, against that old team, especially if you're playing them. Um, so yeah. that, had to, that had to hurt a little. Yeah, it definitely hurt. And <laughs> many people, not many people know this. What made it so much, infinitely worse was uh, so after – after I scored the goal, it was it was an own goal that, you know, sent us to it's the – your uh, goal. Stop saying yeah, it. It's your yeah. goal. It's Chase's goal. Um, that sent us to the national championship. So, you know, like just being 18-year-old punk, uh, had the press conference after. And, you know, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, like I want to make a statement in this. Because I was feeling really confident our team was playing so well and I was so going – I was feeling good about the final. And so in the press conference after the semifinals, one of the reporters was like, so Chase, tell us, why'd you, tra uh, why'd you decide to switch from UVA to UCLA? And I was like, all right, here's my moment. 
So I just leaned in the microphone and I said, to win championships. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so I, I had some really good friends that played for the UVA team. And so they're texting me, you know, all the expletives. They're like, you MF, you know, all that kind of stuff. And apparently their coach put it on the locker print, room board, yeah. print out, printed out that statement, put it on everyone's locker. And before the game was like, this is what this kid said. And like, you know, probably said a few other things about me. And, um, you know, I definitely learned a lesson that day, but, uh, yeah, yeah it, it was a, it was a bitter loss. 18, man. That's, uh, like Lord knows no one put a mic in front of me at that age. Cause it, I probably would still be paying the price for that. Um, <laughs> Um, UCLA, you're, you're there three years. Um, you, you have a pretty serious injury. I think you separated your, your groin from the bone. Um, mm-hmm. you know, talk to me a little bit about what it's like to have start, you know, you're, you've got this trajectory, right. Where you're representing the country, you're going to national championships. Um, you know, but then you, you kind of get a, a, a bad case of, you know, some various things. Talk to me what that did to you mentally. I've seen some of your quotes about your team in terms of the medical, the medical staff that you're so, you're so quick to praise them and talk about how great they are. Uh, just talk to me, you know, about your struggle with dealing with injuries. Cause, cause everyone goes through it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, every, anyone who's, who's got the injury bug, I mean, that's, that's the last thing you want as an athlete and you, you go through dark days. And so it was, uh, with my groin, I think that was eight months I was out. And I, I mean, it's just rough. And so um, I think I think the biggest thing are just when your teammates support you, because there, there are those days where like when you wake up and you know you just got to go to treatment, you're months away from getting back on the field. Uh, the, the support that you get from your teammates, I think, I think that's the biggest thing. And so especially even nowadays, if if there are guys on the training, uh, training table, someone's injured, you always got to make sure you go, you know, check in on them, see how they're doing, uh, see how they're doing uh, mentally, especially because, you know, as any athlete knows, being injured, especially for the long period of time is it's the worst thing for an athlete. So, um, yeah, just support, support the guys that are injured. Awesome. Um, you know, while you were out there in, in California, I know you played, uh, I'm used, I call it PDL, but I, I think it was, uh, you know, there was like the MPSL and then there's PDL, which is what I'm used to. And then there's the USASA, which I think is United States Soccer, Adult Soccer Association. You mm-hmm. played for the PSA Elite. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure how many games you played there, but for those that are U.S. Open Cup fans, you'll know that name because uh, in 2015, they made that crazy Open Cup run where they got to the fourth round. Um, were, were you a part of that that squad? Yeah, I was a part of that team. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Y'all, y'all absolutely wall up the guys in the first round, like seven one or some crazy score, and then you uh, you beat a couple of the local teams to make it. Well, and then you get uh, you know, you didn't just get the Galaxy. Uh, y'all got you know. I'm looking through the score sheet in that game. I mean, Robbie Keane had a hat trick. Uh, I think uh, Sebastian played. Uh, I think Zardes was there. I mean, you, yeah. you guys like. I always played for teams where the coaches never took that tournament seriously. And it, it looks to me like the, the galaxy were like, we are not letting this happen. Like uh, we're, we're putting a full squad out. I mean, but that had to be awesome. You know, just from a, a kid in college 
making it that far and then uh, playing playing a, a team with some of those players. Yeah, well, I, I, unfortunately, I I had a family thing, so I I I didn't play in that game. I had to go back that's, to the East Coast. That's why y'all got blasted then. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> with, with the talent you said, we 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 would have struggled. Well, I, I think the score was 6-1, and the funniest part is I think you guys scored first. Which yeah, is, you we gotta, did score you first. You got to think it's like, oh, my God, it's happening. And then Robbie Keane just said, uh, you know, yeah. I, I played in some finals against him where he just decided I'm going to win this game and it's over. Yeah. Um, well, you talked – you kind of hinted at it. Um, you know, you had a family issue. Uh, your father gets inflicted with an illness. Um, mm-hmm. And then talk to me a little bit about – you don't have to go too far into – you take us down wherever you want to go but just talk to me about uh, making a decision to, to come back to the East coast, to be around your family. Uh, yeah. So my, my father has, it's called small fiber neuropathy. So for whatever reason, no doctor can really explain why uh, his brain is signaling to the rest of his body. Uh, basically like his nerves, the way he describes it are being electrocuted. So it's, it's not even really like, a sickness per se it's just he's in pain like 24 7 and um that has led to other health concerns that i mean like a plethora of other health concerns that uh, i'm not going to touch on but uh you know I, I was so happy to be at ucla chase my dream over on the on the west coast but um you know getting a lot of phone calls from like my sister and my mom and hearing about my dad's health and all that. I, it was just too tough to be on the other side of the country and not be around my family at that time. So, um, you know, I spoke with my coach at UCLA. Uh, he was fully supportive and that's when I reached out. And so I knew I needed to go to like a, a college that was close to home and I, I knew Maryland would be the school. So I reached out to coach Sasha, Sasha and, um, transferred over to Maryland and uh, had, a, had an amazing experience there. And really thankful to uh, Coach Sasho and all my teammates over there for taking me in so quickly because, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to like transfer schools when you don't know anyone or anything like that. But, uh, you know, that especially at Maryland, that's, that's a brotherhood that is unlike any other. And so I, I had the time of my life at Maryland and always going to be grateful for those years. Um, and we don't have to get too far into this, but did because you transferred in, did you have to do any of the some of the? <laughs> and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they've gotten rid of uh, any of the stuff they did back in my day. But uh, you know, hot peppers or you know, uh, do you have a brand? Anything, anything like that? They make you do any of that or no? And we it was all to... it was all voluntary. It was all okay. voluntary. Yeah. Okay. Well, but, I, I, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I wasn't exempt. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love but, it. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's, it's more one of those things like you don't want to be that guy that like you think you're too big or like too cool, like to be a part of that. And so it was more something no, I was I like, it. you know, no, I, I, I want to be a part of this. So I'll, I'll pay my dues. No, I get it. Um, you know, I get it. And, you know, UCLA had some some great players. Uh, Maryland had uh, even more great players. I know that I think Jake had transferred, and so you weren't the only one. You knew you knew a lot of these guys from from playing with them, either on the national team or 
uh, a lot of local guys and you know i i could tell you guys were close whenever um you know whenever i was around y'all whether we played you or you came in to train at dc um mm -hmm. you know we talked about your freshman year getting to the final um and you're you're the young gun kind of you know spouting off at the mouth now here we are come full circle several years later you're like the most experienced guy technically on this team in terms of getting to that uh getting to that final again and uh this time around you have some success and you win the the whole thing mm -hmm. um you know talk to us a little bit about what it was like to win a national championship because you know guys like myself there's so many people that never even got the opportunity and and you were able to do it yeah i mean that it, it was the like the the ultimate ending to college and um it it was a really interesting season because we started off really poorly and i remember our coach was always yelling at us saying you guys are going to be the first maryland team to not make playoffs in the last 15 years like you're a disgrace to this school and we're like oh man but you look around the locker room you're like we have so much talent like we should be winning what's going on and uh, but I, I just attribute it to like that brotherhood factor that, um, you know, everybody knew that, you know, off the field, you had your, like your friends back, but on the field, you had your friends back too. And um, so kind of the second half of the season, we just started getting wins and then we started playing really well. And I think it was, so I think it was five games in the, uh, like to win the college cup. And I think after we beat Kentucky in the quarterfinals, everyone kind of knew we're like, all right, we're going to win this whole thing. We just had like that, that confidence, that feeling in the locker room. And, uh, and then we went to Santa Barbara and beat Akron in the final. And it was just the, uh, the ultimate ending to the college experience. Yeah. And, and you're being humble. I know you were injured for some of that. And then, you know, if you look at y'all's clean sheets that year, uh, you were you were involved in almost all of them. So, you know, and you had you had some good guys on there. I know I remember watching some of those games and I just remember seeing Donovan Pines. Oh my like, God. like, you know, we, we had a fun time making Crognally jokes, um, you know, because he was just had this swagger about him whenever we'd go watch you guys or you'd come train. Um, uh -huh. But then Donovan comes along and, uh, you know, I think like that Kentucky game, he shuts down. I think it's J.J. Uh, Williams and then y'all yeah. uh, struggled with Indiana and um, you know he y'all played really well and shut shut them down um, so it was kind of seemed like it was a uh, destiny for you guys so congrats to that um, before we go to the pros you I, I I saw that you graduated did you graduate from UCLA or Maryland um, how'd that work so I graduated from Maryland with American Studies um, yeah, so I know you were uh, a poli sci guy at least early uh -huh. on, and uh, you go back to your Gonzaga, um, Gonzaga College High School with all those political guys. So it looks like uh, that was kind of why I brought that up earlier. It came full circle, um, which is pretty cool. So let's talk a little bit about going into the uh, the combine. You get invited. Um, I think it was down in Orlando. Um, mm -hmm. You know, did you at this point you? still in and out of national team uh you know you're you're in camps and and going with that group uh did you did you kind of have a feeling you were going to get drafted or were you were you just not sure i mean what were you hearing on your end 
I was I was nervous because of the whole injury bug. I thought teams weren't going to want me because, uh, yeah, it was my like halfway through my senior season. It was actually when we played UCLA. I fractured two of my vertebra, so I was out for I was out for a decent amount of the season. And I I, I kind of thought that was like the final nail in my coffin. And then after we won the national championship, that kind of gave me a little bit bit more confidence. Like okay you know, maybe a team is willing to take a gamble on me. And then um, got invited down to the combine and I thought I played well at the combine. And so I was feeling a lot better after that. And then going into um, draft day, I got, I got a phone call from somebody and he, he was like, Hey, Chase, congratulations. Uh, he, he has no involvement in the soccer world. He's, he's like this businessman that just has ties to Maryland. He's like, congratulations. I just want to let you know, DC United is going to draft you. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And it, I, hometown team, like that was, that was my favorite team growing up. You know, I came to the practices, so I knew a lot of the guys. I'm like, this is awesome. This is so cool. So the draft starts, and I'm – I'm, I'm still nervous, but I'm feeling so much better. And I'm like, yes, let's do this. And then so they go through the first 13 teams and then they're like, okay. And with the 14th pick, DC United selects, and I'm starting to stand up. And then they say, Akeem Ward from Creighton University. And I'm like, what is going on right now? What? What? And then that's when uh, like, I started to freak out and I'm like, oh, no, this isn't happening. No one's going to take me. And then it turns out with the 15th pick, and I wasn't even really focused. I'm like freaking out in my head. Uh, Minnesota United selects Chase Gasper. And I still didn't really hear it at first, but my mom was sitting next to me and I heard her like just start clapping and screaming. And then it all like clicked. And I'm like, oh, thank, thank God. <laughs> And uh, it was really cool, too, because Dane St. Clair, my teammate here and at Maryland, uh, he was actually the f- Minnesota's first pick. And then Minnesota traded up to get me at 15. So when I was walking up to the podium, uh, Dane stood up and like gave me a hug. And then it, I realized after like being in shock that I'm going to be continuing with, you know, my homie from uh, Maryland. So it was, it was a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah, and uh, Minnesota actually traded uh, Chicago to get that pick, so they clearly wanted you. I think they probably thought DC was going to take you, and then uh, and then they they jump in and get you. Did you did you decide on your number then, or uh, you know, or were you more focused on let me make the team? I I, I want to talk about your number, but I just don't know uh, how you selected that or, or how that came about. I I never got to select my number, so that's why I'm always fascinated mm-hmm. when a guy does select his number and you know especially in your case it's a unique one Mm -hmm. uh well when the when the equipment manager first reached out he asked what number do you want and um i just kind of gave him a few and one through 30 were taken so like (laughs) uh, i i mean i'm I'm not really big into like numbers or anything and then i was talking my parents were sitting next to me when i was texting him and so I asked them, I said, what do you think I should go with? And I had 77 when I was younger on that Bethesda Olney team. 
And they're like, Hey, why don't you go just go with 77? You had success with that. But also it's, it's kind of like a, a unique number. So if people, if you see people walking around the stadium with that number, like you're going to know who it is. And so that's why I went with 77. They're marketing specialists, you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's <laughs> yeah. right. Do, uh, do, do they give you a hard time about that as being a rookie with a unique number like that or not really? Uh, not the players, but Adrian at first. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of – you read between the lines, Adrian. Yeah. Uh, you know, for those that don't know Adrian Heath, um, I don't know Adrian that well, but I did play with Harrison Heath. And I have um, – you know, if, if Adrian is anything like Harrison uh, – He's an entertaining guy. So, and, and he's not one to let anything uh, get past him without stating his opinion. So um, we'll get to that in a second. Um, just talk to me a little bit about, uh, so you've, you've, the all has worn off and you know, you, you're in a trance, you realize you're playing for Minnesota. You've got a friend there. I think, I think you knew Damati from uh, UCLA, if, if yes. I'm not mistaken. So, you know, some of the guys, um, you know, are you, are you nervous? Are you, you know, are you thinking, okay, I'm, I'm just going to go in and learn, or are you saying I'm going to go in and start from day one? What, what was your mentality? Uh, I was definitely nervous, but like you said, I, I knew of a few of the guys, which that definitely helped out. Uh, Carter Manley, who was on, he was on the team at that time. He was on my, but the only team. Um, I played with the boo and I saw that, you know, they got minutes, their rookie years. Um, and and then after kind of like the first week of practice, that's where you really just kind of compare yourselves against the guys. And uh, it was after the first week of preseason, I was like, okay, I, I can definitely make this team. But at the time, Francisco Calvo was the left back, captain of the Costa Rican national team, plays for Chicago now. And so all during preseason, you know, right from the start, uh, it's Adrian he separates starting team from everybody else. So like, you know, where you're going to stand in the, the totem pole. And so it was kind of like halfway through preseason where after riding this huge wave of, you know, going to like UCLA, Maryland, playing with the national team to kind of having that realization, like, Oh man, I'm probably going to be on the bench for a couple years now. You know, that was a tough pill to swallow, but um just kept working my tail off. And then I got signed with Hassani Dotson on the, the same day in preseason. And so once I made the team, the, those are like a huge weight off my shoulders. And um, then, yeah, just worked hard. And we had great leaders in the team that like Ike Opara, Ethan Finley, uh, I mean, then phenomenal players like Darwin Quintero, Kevin Molino, those types of guys that, uh, at first, you're nervous to play with them, but then when you kind of come to the realization that these are the, if when you play these guys every single day of practice, you're only going to get better. So, um, became friends with them, and it's just been a great experience ever since. Yeah, and, and who you know who kind of helped you? You know, I know that's a, a pretty good group of guys. Who who would you say was was pretty instrumental in helping you your your first year or? You know, sometimes having a bunch of young guys that you know that can that can be your group, and you almost have like a bit of a not an arrogance, but a bit of confidence because you know you've got you've got strength in numbers. But uh, you know, who 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 was a, a big impact on you early on? 
Uh, I think it was definitely a combination of the two. We had a, we had a really tight knit group of younger guys like Mason toy, Wyatt Almsberg, Dane St. Clair, myself, Carter Manley. Um, we'd always hang out off the field together, spend time. So uh, that made it easy. But the, the older guys that you really looked up to uh, Ike Opara, Ethan Finley, Eric Miller, Brent Coleman, uh, Kevin Molino, like these guys that they did such a phenomenal job, you know, showing you the ropes, giving you the tough love, which I'm really appreciative of, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not all roses every day. It's you need those guys to kind of kick your ass every day and talk trash to you. And, you know, that's only going to make you stronger. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think and I know, those guys helped. I know Adrian's all about competition and, you know, letting mm-hmm. guys get after it. Um, you know, the, it's interesting because in your time there, uh, there's been a, an incredible amount of turnover. Um, oh, yeah. You know, it's insane. You're, you're probably up there on the tenure list now, um, even at a young age, just because <laughs> there's so much turnover. Um, you know, and we could go through you. You mentioned some of those guys and, and Kevin, um, you know, you know, Ike uh, Quintero's gone. He's down here in Houston. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, just uh, talk to me about how you handle all this turnover, and um, you know what, what's what it's like as a, you know, you go from the guy that's like, hey, what are we doing on this drill, and I'm not sure how this is going to work, to the guy that they're like, hey, Chase, what are we doing on this drill, and how's this going to work? You know, how do you, how did you handle that um, in that short amount of time that where you've been there? Uh, I think it was just following the example of the the veterans, like Ike and. I mean, I, I don't know how I didn't say this name, Ozzy Alonso. Yeah, the, yeah. Like the biggest, the biggest vet probably on our team. Uh, I mean, these guys just led by example my rookie year. And so it was easy to just follow their lead. And like you said, there's been so much turnover that uh, even, you know, only being in the league for like three years, you, you kind of got to step up to the plate and be that guy. And, um, uh, I, I think it's easy to do just following the, uh, the great example set by uh, the older guys that I mentioned before. Yeah. And, and I, I saw a quote that you said, and uh, I've been striking out a lot on my quotes with young guys lately because they, they said it one time when they were young and they never said it again. But I think with you, hopefully this one makes sense. Um, you know, you seem like a routine guy. And I know you, you said uh, the make your bed every day. Um, you know, you're, you're a guy that makes his bed every day, meaning, uh, yeah. That's Admiral McRaven. You know, he talks, there's a book about that. I don't know if you read that or if you just grew up with that, but um, you know, it sounds to me like you just, uh, and I've, I've seen, you know, I saw how y'all started this year. I saw Adrian's quotes about you. I'm not a big fan of coaches saying things like that in terms of, Oh, he's, he's really struggled early on, but it sounds like he knew that you're going to show up every day and keep working. And, now you guys are in a, a playoff spot because of guys like you working hard and and uh, and and putting in that work every day. But would you say that's kind of your defining characteristic? Is just a, a kind of a even keel guy that just puts on his boots and goes to work. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I like I I know I'm not the most skillful. I'm not the fastest. I'm not the strongest. But uh, you know, something like my dad, kind of like one of my, the things that my dad taught me when I was younger, like, you know, you you can't decide if you're the tallest, the strongest, the fastest, the most skillful, but you can decide if you're the toughest, the meanest and the hardest working player out there. So that's just kind of the mentality I 
I like to go into training with every single day and no matter what the drill is, uh, you give it your all. And I think, um, I think it's kind of paid off. Yeah. And it has paid off in your case. You know, we have all these youth national team experiences and, um, you know, because of how well you played in your, in your short time with Minnesota, um, you've been called into the national team twice. Uh, you've been capped once against Costa Rica. Um, you know, talk to us a little bit about that experience. And, um, you know, I, I think you're, you're in that pool and it's, it's, uh, I think you're going to get an opportunity to try to lock that, that left side down again. And I, I hope you are, but just, just talk to me what's going through your head on getting called in at, at the full squad and then how you, uh, how you handled being there. Yeah. I mean, that, so it was after my rookie year, we, we got knocked out of the first round of playoffs by LA Galaxy and going straight from college soccer, the college soccer season into you, then you go straight into the 10 month season of MLS. So it was like over a year and a half of straight soccer. Uh, my mind was kind of more like, yes, vacation. I get to like go, you know, go home, see my family and friends, go to the beach or whatever. And then I got a, I got this call from like a random Florida number. And I mean, I'm sure you get it all the time. Like there's so many spam calls from just random numbers. And so I was about to just like hang up or sometimes I like to mess with them and like do yeah, some, yeah, yeah. mess with the spammers. But uh, something in my gut was like, just answer the call. And so when I answered it, it was uh, Greg and he was like, Hey Chase, you know, we've been watching you. And at first I thought it was someone messing with me. And so I, I went along with it. I was like, don't say anything stupid, but like, I do, I do think this is kind of a joke. And then uh, Greg's like, yeah, you know, we thought you've had a, a great rookie year. We got this camp coming up in Florida. We'd like to bring you in. And I mean, I, I just couldn't believe it. And it was, you know, one of the proudest moments of my life. And then going to that camp and um, when you, when you get that taste of like that next level of competition of, caliber of player it's it's just like this hunger that you just want to be there all the time now and compete with those guys every single day and so um then i got invited to the january camp after that where uh i was fortunate enough to get my first cap against costa rica and you know i gotta say that was definitely the the proudest moment of my life and uh really thankful for that and thankful for uh greg giving me that opportunity and um yeah, I'm just going to continue to work hard at Minnesota United to definitely try to win, win games here, bring hardware to the club, and hopefully get called back up to the national team. Yeah, it's funny you talk about – I think everyone has that same experience when they, they don't expect it. And uh, I always said it, it wasn't real till you got an email. Uh, yeah, or yeah, it was like, yeah. Or it was like your itinerary and like you're like, oh, my God, this is this is really ha- – I'm about to pack a bag and I, I'm really doing this. So, um I had the same, same, same story. Mine was, I was in Miami. I had a bag packed for a month of partying and I was like day two, they called me and I was like, Oh no. I was like, my partying days are over. <laughs> yeah. The lady that called was British. So I was like, this is a joke. I was like, you, I was like, I don't, you know, yeah, right. Yeah. I'm going to go drink a beer, like send it an email. And then I got an email and I was like, Oh crap, I shouldn't be drinking this beer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, that's awesome, man. Well, um, well, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, you know, I know uh, you guys are right in the middle of a of a, a big playoff push. You're above the line, but 
this this league has just completely changed since I was in it, and um, there's so many teams that are competitive. And I know you've got a you've got a coach with the biggest chip on his shoulder in in the league. Um, so I know he's trying to get the best out of you guys. Um, for those that uh, that really want to see more, uh, tell people what your um, your social media handles are, so that way they can follow you. Um, I'm just I'm just on Instagram and. It, Shoot, I actually got to look up what it is. Well, I'd say it's uh, Chase Gasper, G-A-S-P-E-R. I'm from Florida, so I always want to say Gaspar because that's a big thing in Tampa. Oh, yeah, the Gasparilla thing. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So it's like like I always want to say Gaspar. But but no, go ahead. The the Instagram's cgasper77. There you go. It's pretty creative. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. but uh but i want to thank you so much for coming on uh good luck to to you and the playoff push and uh obviously beyond i think uh those that are uh, u.s men's national team fans like i am uh we're really hoping for for big things not just because i know you and i like you but also because i think uh you know i think you have something that not a lot of guys do at, at that spot so uh, good luck to you and and uh once again thank you for coming on the podcast today yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's uh, it's good to see you again. You know, it's fun playing playing with you at the DC United practices. Always watched you growing up. Was a huge fan. So you know, this is this is an honor to come on and talk to you like this. No, the honor's all mine this time, buddy. Thank you for listening to Play by Players. Visit PlayByPlayersPod.com for more episodes, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a production of the MLSPA. Learn more at MLSplayers.org.